0: Well hey, my name is uh, Trevor. I've been here eight and a half years, started out as a middle school pastor, high school pastor, and then just recently, um, people keep asking me, what's my new title now? I don't know. I've, we'll figure it out. Adult ministries, student stuff, I don't know. Um, but I've been here eight and a half years. i married to my wife Danielle. We have four girls. Uh, we got seven, five, three, six months. So, um, Kind of busy, but we love it. Um, so I got introduced to fatherhood in a, in a crazy way. Uh, probably this my oldest was about two years old, and my daughter Addie was probably like six months old, a little bit older maybe. And I remember this one time my wife decides to go out on a Target trip. So I'm probably not going to see her for days, all right? <laughs> So my wife goes out to do some shopping at Target, and I'm at home with my oldest, Amelia, who's just tiny, and Addie, who's even tinier, like a little baby. And so my daughter, Amelia, had just learned to figure out locks. You know where this is going, probably. So I'm holding my daughter, Addie, and I forget what the reason was, but I had to go out into the garage and grab something. So I go out in the garage, my daughter, Amelia, is following me close behind Instantly when the door closes, I hear the, the click. I don't have my phone. Now, fortunately, I'm dressed. Everything's good there, okay? That would have been really bad, okay? But I just have my daughter, Addie, and I'm locked outside my house. And I start freaking out, and I'm thinking of all these different resources. what to do? I'm thinking, I got to go to the neighbors. So I go to the most normal neighbors next to us who are really awesome. They're not home. I go to the second most normal neighbors, they're not home, and then I realized I got to go to the crazy neighbors. The ones right on the corner, they were crazy. So I go up to uh, their, their house, the guy's in his garage, pilling around, doing some stuff. I ask him, hey, I'm your neighbor, he's had no clue, I, I'm locked outside my house, I've got a little kid inside, and I'm holding this little newborn, he's like, yeah, called my wife like six, eight times. She's deep into Target. She's not answering my calls, all right? So I'm just wondering what to do. All I can think to do is just go back and and sit by the sliding glass door next to my daughter and just look at her and try and talk to her and get through this. And I think it was like a half hour later, I was getting pretty close to calling 911 or taking like a rock and just busting my sliding glass door if things got into it, but I was debating that. I will never forget the look my wife gave me as she walked around the corner. It's like she sees my two-year-old Amelia, and then she looks at me outside, like, holding this kid, like, like that. I'm like, I'm locked outside my house. And she let me back in, and I said, never go to Target again. Okay, that's the lesson here. Actually, the lesson is, if you have a little kid, get one of those sweet, like, door-locking mechanisms. We got that, like, right away, okay? So that's a, that's a dad hack right there. Um, but in that moment, I was desperate. I knew I needed help, and I got the help that, well, kind of that I needed, but I knew I needed help, and I went for it. Um, I had no problem asking for it. I found, though, in my time in ministry, uh, being a pastor for about 11 years now, for some reason, when it comes to church, This is something many of us have a hard time doing, asking for help. And so we're going to be talking about that today uh, in Galatians 6, 1 through 2. We're going to be calling it Bearing Each Other's Burdens. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians 6, 1 through 2. So just to give you some context leading up to it. So most of you are probably familiar with Galatians 5. He's been talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, He says, walk by the Spirit. You will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And he gives the list of the fruits of the Spirit, Right? A lot of us know that list, we've memorized it, and then he gives the bad list right here, the deeds of the flesh, okay? So, I grew up knowing Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, and when my mom sat me down when I was six years old and said, hey Trevor, do you know you're a sinner? I had no problem. I was like, oh yeah, I know most of that list by now, okay? The deeds of the flesh, like that was alive in me, okay? So I knew that, but as believers, Paul's reminding us we've been given victory over our flesh, and we can live this by walking by the Spirit. And walking by the Spirit is, is a moment-by-moment, day-to-day relationship with the Lord through His Holy Spirit, where you're being led by the Spirit. In other words, go do this, go do that. He's bringing Scripture to your memory, and you're just taking one step at a time. That's what He's talking about. So you're walking by the Spirit. And I, remember, I remember growing up hearing this all the time, and it made sense. Do this, don't do that, Okay. Be filled with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. But I didn't go into chapter 6. And I wish I had. I think it would have saved me a lot of grief. And I wish I would have lived out chapter 6. Guys, these verses uh, changed my life. Um, In fact, so this this message I've given so many times in youth. It's insane. Um, And I'm excited to uh, be giving it to you guys uh, this morning. Because it's, it's made a huge difference in my life. And I pray that it is for yours. So let's read it together. Galatians 6, 1 through 2. Uh, Brothers or sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, any sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And then our main verse that we're going to be looking at today bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear each other's burdens. So, having been in ministry for a while now, having grown up in church, I've seen burdens of all shapes and sizes. Uh, In fact, all of us, when we come in here to this building, we're bringing burdens in. We have transgressions. We have personal sins. We have personal struggles that we deal with. We have different burdens. Um, I've seen this with health. Health can be one of these things. Maybe it's with you. Maybe it's with a loved one. Uh, Maybe family is your burden. And I don't mean that in in a... bad way, but for some of us, that's reality. Family, conflicts, um, all t- sorts of things, right, is a burden. Um, I've dealt with this a lot within student ministries. Addiction. Addiction. Uh, depression. In fact, if you want to look at statistics right now with COVID and and our, our students, man, our students need prayer. They need prayer. They need help and support. I will be talking about that later uh, too, but depression, suicide, it's just it's astronomical how much it was already high before, but post-COVID now, it's even higher. Um, I've seen harmful lifestyles that are contrary to the Bible, that are contrary to what someone believes. Point is, we've all got burdens. Now, I'm going to be sharing um, just me personally some stuff that's happened in my life, and it might not be your burden. So, I'm not trying to like compartmentalize everyone and say this is your, your experience too. I'm simply sharing with you a little bit what. My experience was a little bit as far as this burden thing goes. But one thing I can conclude is having been in ministry a while is this. Sin is deceptive. Sin is deceptive and Satan is good at what he does. He's been, a, he's been around a long time and he's the liar and he's the deceiver. And he's good at it. I'm reminded in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, <clears throat> Uh, The writer says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's lay aside every encumbrance, every weight, every burden, and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And when he says that sin easily entangles, the idea is like you're running along, and maybe this was your day. You started out great, you're like, I'm going to serve Jesus today, you're hit. Your feet hit the floor, and then like 10 seconds into your day, you're already like, well, I already ruined it. I already did something dumb, right? Maybe that was your day so far. Maybe it's something that's happened, but sin is sticky. It gets on you as a believer. I'm talking to Christians. I'm not talking about just, like, these are Christians, us. Sin entangles us, and it constricts us almost like the picture is like a boa constrictor. Like it slowly wraps around you and it feels kind of cozy at first. Like this isn't too bad. And then it's like And the picture is you're running your race and then you're kind of just like this. You just kind of fall down. You're entangled and you're restricted from following the Lord. You've fallen down and maybe you've fallen down hard. And we can get in this cycle. In fact, I would say the Christian life is this perpetual state of Falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up. There's nothing wrong with that per se except when you continue to live in this defeat cycle. You're not walking in victory. So for me in high school, growing up, I had some burdens that I thought I could handle. I thought I could handle. So I I wanted to walk by the Spirit, I wanted to follow the Lord. like I said, I got saved when I was six years old. My, my mom led me to the Lord on, on our living room couch. I knew I was a sinner, and God saved me in that moment. But it wasn't good after that, right? It was, it was ups and downs, and I had some burdens. And I had moments of victory, but there was, there was this feeling of just feeling stuck in this one particular area and what seemed to be a light or insignificant burden became a major issue and caused other major issues in my life. And uh, the analogy I would give and the analogy that I give to a lot of students is it's almost like if you guys have like done any yard work before or anything like that when you're pushing a wheelbarrow, right? You push the wheelbarrow like maybe it's, maybe it's across the rocks or maybe it's across the ground and it's kind of Like right now, the ground's kind of wet a little bit, but you push the wheelbarrow across. It's not so bad at first, but then you go over it again and again and again and again. Now, what happens when you try and get out of that rut? Is it easy to do? It's pretty dang hard, right? You're trying to get out of this, but you're in a rut. And that's what I felt like. I felt like I was just in this rut, and I couldn't get out of it. And that's when Satan started to really whisper into my ear. And these are the lies that he'd whisper into my ears. And maybe these are lies that you hear currently or maybe you've heard before. This was the lie that I heard in high school. Trevor, you are the only one who has this burden. You're the only one. You're the only Christian who struggles with something like this. And uh, my experience too is Satan plays dirty. He goes below the belt. He doesn't care. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He's coming after you. So then he tells me all those things. And then he says, Trevor, you're trash. You're trash. And I believe that lie. So what do you think I did because of that belief? I hid. And I let no one in on that area of my life. And it's interesting because we see this pattern in Scripture. We see this with Adam and Eve, right, the very first time. What do they do? They sin and what? They hide. And they're, they're hiding, and what does God say to them when He was going to walk with them in the cool of evening? What does he say? He says, where are you? Now, you think he's literally like saying like, where are you? I don't know where you are. It's like, no, he's God. He knows where they are. This is a different type of question. So where are you? You're supposed to be right here with me. You're not hiding. Furthermore, my relationship with God had become something that was very private. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. Our relationship with God is personal. It is private. But the point is, do you think I was talking to God all the time about this burden? I was talking to him all the time about this. I was stuck in the rut and he and I were having tons of conversations I'd be crying myself to sleep every night talking about these things to him. And he would gently tell me, I know, I'm here. And then he'd go one step further and he'd say, but you need to get help. You can't bear this burden alone. But I refused for years. Why? Because I'm the only one who struggles with this, was my thought. Some of you here this morning, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're living this right now. This is your reality. Your false reality, but it's your reality. This is a very dangerous place for us Christians to be, because like it or not, we're described in the Bible as what? Sheep. Satan is described as a roaring what? Lion seeking whom he may devour, and that picture of prowling, he seeks whom he may devour, prowls around like a roaring lion. Is this picture of he's the lion that's stalking the herd, he's stalking the pack, and he's looking and he's looking and he's looking and he's waiting for isolated Christians who are going to wander off by themselves away from community, and that's when he attacks. That was me. So all this time, I'm going to church. I'm going to church. Someone comes up to me inevitably, because when you go to church, people ask you, how are you doing? It's like, Trevor, how are you doing? And I said, excellent, thank you. I'm fine, you're fine, we're all fine. Mentality. When in reality, sitting in the congregation or being in my youth group growing up or any of those types of things... So many times I just wanted to scream out, help me. Help. I need help. I can't do this alone. If we're not careful, Desert Springs, this can be the same place. And I love my church growing up, by the way, so I'm not, I'm not knocking on my church. I don't think they cultivated that necessarily, but I'm just saying this was my experience in my church growing up. So asking questions like, when you say that, oh, I'm, I'm good. Asking questions like, how are you really doing? Are you really okay? See, I found through living this life, not perfectly by any means, and I, I also I want to make sure when I say these things, I never want to come across as the point of, I figured it out. I'm still figuring this out, right? I think we all are. But it starts with vulnerability. So if you look at our verses again very carefully, Galatians 6, 1 through 2, Paul presupposes something. Paul supposes that there is vulnerability and trust happening. Because he says, you are to, in verse 2, you're to bear each other's burdens. My question is this, though. How can someone bear your burden when they don't know what your burden is? How can someone bear your burden when they don't know what your burden is? That's a presupposition that Paul makes because his assumption is you should know what someone's burden is. For me, and I suspect for some of us in here, that was not the case. And all this time as I'm going to church, I'm waiting for someone to make the first move. It's like you're, you're driving towards each other, right, in the game of chicken. You're like, I'm not going to turn. Are you going to turn? No, I'm not going to turn. Are you going to turn? It's like, um, I wasn't going to say anything until they were. So I waited. And I waited. And waited. And the wheelbarrow rut got deeper and deeper, and the burden got heavier and heavier. And have you, have you guys ever gotten to a point in your life where, <laughs> there's the poem, like, uh, diverged in a yellow road, right? You see the, you see the fork in the road. I, I remember a point in my life where my life was just so crazy and no one knew about it, but my life was so crazy, I looked at the way I could go this way, the Lord's way, walking by the Spirit or walking by the flesh or living by the flesh. And I remember looking down both of these roads thinking, you have to make a decision right now. And I knew for a long time what that decision had to be, and that was to be vulnerable and share my burden with someone. Guys, I wasn't, it wasn't until I was a freshman in college that I decided to do this. It wasn't until then when I was vulnerable and told someone what my burden was. So I'll never forget, I feel that tug, Holy Spirit saying, go do it, you dummy. Go do it. I've been telling you for years. Gently, you dummy, right? Um, But come on. Go down the hallway. Talk to Sean. Talk to Sean. I had a good friend, Sean, right down the hallway from me. I will never forget walking out my door. Because also I found if you put something off, if the Holy Spirit's telling you to do something, if you're like, I'll think about it, you'll never do it, right? I was like, I was sitting at my desk. I'm like, you got to tell him. I'm like, fine. I'll get up. Right, Go down the hallway, knock on Sean's door. Sean opens the door. I don't even wait. I'm just like, I tell him. Doesn't even ask. You know what he says after I'm done throwing up on him? (sighs) Me too. I'm so glad you said something. So it's a lie. Some of you in here, you're thinking, I'm the only one. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I actually, so I tell this to my students all the time. I'm going to tell it to you guys. I just imagine in a room this size, we all have different thought bubbles over our heads right now. and We're thinking, if people only knew blank about me, they would blank. If people knew this about me, it'd be over. If whatever, or I'm struggling right now with, or help, I need, whatever, you fill in the blank. But I imagine all these thought bubbles all over the place right now. My experience with this has been, I guarantee you, if you could see everyone's thought bubbles in here right now, you'd look four seats down and you'd be like, you too? No. But it's the truth. So that started with me and my friend Sean meeting, and uh, we still meet. We still have the friendship. In fact, I'm meeting with them this next week. We still have this relationship, and I thank God for it. But this was the start of a relationship that allowed me to really get into this idea of bearing each other's burdens, because Desert Springs, when we bear each other's burdens, we experience true community, and more importantly, we experience healing. There's healing. There's healing. When we operate in darkness, when we hide things inside of us, when there's darkness, that gives Satan ample room to operate and move around because he, he walks in darkness. He loves the darkness. And then on the other side, we have Jesus, in whom there's no darkness at all. And guys, I found when I let these things out, when I let my burdens out into the light, you know what happened? Now, it wasn't immediate, like, oh, struggle's over. But when I let these things out into light, it's like Jesus was—it opened up the floodgate of, okay, here I come. I'm coming into this part of your heart now. And I'm just going to wash over you right now and bring that healing that you've been waiting for years to put on. And I got the accountability I needed. I got the help I needed. This is the best part, though, that I've seen. And that I've experienced. When we bear each other's burdens, we experience what true love and forgiveness looks like. I will never forget the day I I knew before I could ask my beautiful wife, Danielle, before I could ask her for her hand in marriage, I knew I need to let her know about my baggage. I need to let her know about some of these burdens. And, and I'm on the road to recovery and things are looking good. I haven't figured it out. But she needed to know what she was going to say I do too, <laughs> Right? I will never forget sitting down with her and having a conversation with her. And just the tears that just came out of me after that happened was, it was a relief because I'm like, this is who I am, and there's no darkness inside of me, and I'm, this is who I am. Like it or not, the good, the bad, the ugly, here I am, Danielle. And then simultaneously, there was this fear of, we're done. She's going to reject me. I will never forget, guys, outside of Jesus saving me, the greatest act of love I've experienced was when my wife started to cry too, and she reached over, and we just started to hug each other, and we cried together. And that's when I knew, you really do love me. You love me. And she forgave me. I've seen this with students all the time too. Uh, I've had the blessing of having students open up and talk to me about very vulnerable, dark things. And it's, it's a beautiful moment on one hand because there's finally that, that openness and that light coming into their life. But then we start to talk and I tell them, you need to tell your parents and there's always this, "Uh, I can tell the youth pastor, you're cool, but my parents, I don't know. And you know what? And this this was my life. When we live in the darkness, we also develop a alternate reality that exists. And the alternate reality is if someone finds out this, Here's what's going to happen. And I, I would see these students that had built up for years and years this reality of if I told my parents this, they would kick me out of the house. If I told my parents this, they would disown me. Yada, yada. Whatever the case was. And you know what? Praise the Lord. Every time those students decided to sit down with their parents, and I had the blessing of doing uh, being alongside them as they shared the news with their parents, every single time these parents would just burst into tears and there was this just wave of relief that came over them and they just hugged them and they cried and there was, it, there was just so much love and forgiveness experienced in that moment and guys i can't help but think every time when i picture those moments of there's so many of us in here that we are withholding that love and forgiveness ourselves we're not experiencing that love and forgiveness ourselves because we're not letting people in we're not sharing our burdens And we've developed these alternate universes that exist in our mind of what that would look like if people knew this about me. And I'll also tell you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Don't let the enemy rob you of experiencing the Lord's love and forgiveness and the community's love and forgiveness John 13.35 says by this all people speaking of the world will know that you are my disciples, my followers, if you have love for one another. Can you imagine if every single person in this room, every single person that attended Desert Springs, that loved the Lord, lived like this? Can you imagine the people that would look at this place and want to be a part of that? Do you think they get that out in the world? superficial. It's superficial. It's, it's it stabbing you in the back. I will say this, just because I feel led to say this right now. I know some of you too have been burned by this, by the church. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But don't give up on the church. I guarantee you there's some people in this room maybe you feel led to talk to, don't let that wound fester either. But by this all people will know that you're to my disciples if you have love for one another. The world will see this love and want to be a part of it. As we close, I, I want to tell you a couple things. For someone in the room right now who feels like I'm just talking to you, like we're at, you feel like we're at a coffee shop right now just having a conversation across the table, Right now, because you like the Lord is speaking to you right now. I need to tell you right now God loves you, He loves you. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You're not the only one, you are not the only one. And finally, God doesn't make trash. God does not make trash. You are created in His image. You have value. And He sent His Son to die for you. You have value. Second, it's time. It's time to let someone bear your burden, it's time to stop doing it alone. It's time to go beyond just the conversations with the Lord, which is great. Keep talking to Him. But it's also time to extend that here to those that you can trust, that love you, that are around you, that believe in Jesus. Desert Springs, let's cultivate. Let's cultivate a place where we bear each other's burdens. And I would say that by doing this. How do we do that? Don't be like me and wait for someone to do this. Don't play that game of chicken where you're just waiting for the other person to make the first move because I'm telling you, it won't happen until you do it. it starts with you. Be vulnerable and be real. And again, I want to I caution. I'm not saying get up right now and be like, Here, do it around people that you trust, that are following the Lord. Be wise about it, but open up. And guys, I found when I share things, every time, every time, someone else does the same thing. Every time. There's always something happening. And what would that look like in our connect groups? What would that look like in our Bible studies? What would that look like as we sit next to each other? Maybe it's getting to know the person in your section that you've seen for years and you never said hi to them. Maybe it's the person, I don't know, at the grocery store, the barista, whatever. I'll let the Lord lead you on that. For this, predominantly, this is one of our younger services, One of my concerns for Gen Z, millennial, we go home and we shut the garage. We don't talk to anyone. And we don't open up. I just want to lovingly ask you guys to consider this. That we need to have that authentic community with each other. Some of you guys... You're freaking out right now because you've never done this before. But can I tell you as someone who was freaking out as well, who was in the same place as you, where I am now, there's some work, there's some difficulty, but to be where I'm at now, man, I wouldn't trade anything for it. And the healing that's taken place as a result of that, it's been worth the journey. And so for some of you to heal this morning, for some of you to be restored this morning, for some of you for that relationship, whatever that might be, It's worth it. It's worth it. And when you stand before Jesus someday, or when he comes back, it's going to be worth it. So can we do that? Can we bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ? Can we do that?